Good morning and welcome to Green Tea Conversations, a radio show that delves into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine to bring you the local experts who share their progressive ideas and the latest information and insights needed so you can lead your best life. I'm your host, Candy Bravo, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine, and I am honored to bring these experts to you. Today's guest is Noah Locke, the community-supported fishery director for the Midwest region for the Quijack Fish Company, which is now offering salmon shares here in Minneapolis. Welcome to the show, Noah. Thanks for having me, Candy. Well, we are really excited to have you on the show today, and we are going to be covering just a myriad of topics. But the first thing we always like to do is to start off by talking about the companies that we are welcoming in. And one of the first things that I would like to ask you is help us to understand what a community-supported fishery is. Sure. Um, I think most listeners will probably be familiar with a community-supported agriculture model or a CSA, and that's where you're uh, buying a share of a farm's harvest ahead of time so that you get kind of fresh produce all summer long and sometimes even into the fall and winter, depending. And um, when we started fishing in Alaska, it was kind of a long-standing dream to do a similar model uh, down in the lower 48. So you invest in our fishing operation before we go up to Alaska. We use those funds to sustain the fishing operation. And what you get in return is a share of our catch um, in whatever quantity you want, as little as 10 pounds, or some people are buying hundreds of pounds and stocking their chest freezers and feeding their families and, and neighbors too. So um, it's, a, it's a unique way of kind of having a year round supply of a really high quality wild caught seafood. We're going to get into that a little bit more too. We're going to really travel into learning all about how you make this happen. But to get us started, tell us who Quijack Fish Company is. How did you get started and what is kind of the concept behind it? Yeah, so got to go back in time. Uh, I, I went to high school with a gentleman by the name of Joe Echohawk and, and Joe started fishing when he was, I believe, just a year out of high school. We graduated in 01. And he fished for almost a decade um, alongside another good friend from high school. And it turns out I went to high school with some of the pioneering families of the Bristol Bay uh, gill netting operation. My buddy's grandpa was fishing back in the 40s and had passed down his his fishing licenses, his permits, um, to his children and his children's children. And so this huge generational fishing operation was born and I happened to just be in the right place at the right time. Joe uh, had decided that he no longer wanted to be a skipper for a um, larger operation. He wanted to go off on his own. And so he uh, took uh, his inheritance from his grandpa and went all in and bought a boat, bought a permit from the state of Alaska to start his own fishing operation. And, um, you know, he'd obviously learned the trade by fishing with our other friends. And that year that he went off on his own was 2009. And we were living together at the time, college roommates. And uh, we decided to go in on this thing somewhat together. So that year I got to go up and be a deckhand, try my hand at at, uh, commercial fishing and uh, learned a lot. And that next year, my wife and I 
moved away to Salt Lake City and uh, was kind of dreaming with Joe about how we could do something with this fishing operation. Um, and he said, well, you know, we've always wanted to do the shares like the CSA. So how about you go to Salt Lake City and see if you can drum up some some folks that want to join in and start getting a share of our salmon. And I'll work out all the logistics about how to get it to you so that you can hand it out to your friends and family and whoever. And that's how it started. Um, three years after that, I moved to Madison, Wisconsin, and it really took off after that. Um, so we've grown the most in the last seven years since I've been here in the Midwest. And yeah, that's that's kind of how it got started. Well, that is really interesting. So tell me about how many shares do you distribute now? How many do you expect to distribute here in 2021? Uh, as a whole company? Yes, as a whole company. Yeah, as a whole company. Let, let's see. I want to say we're doing around 40,000 pounds this year, give or take. And so that's going to be it's about around 2,000 shares in the lower 48. That's spread across the um, Rocky Mountain, Midwest, and East Coast regions. That is really impressive. I, I bet that make you so proud to be able to know that you have grown it that much in seven years or the most in the last seven years. That's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, and you know, we, I think we really took off 2015 was the first year in Madison that we kind of saw that big uh, kind of our first, what I would say, big bump in sales. So give us an idea. What is it like? How does the operation work? So I imagine you spend some of the years selling the shares and then um, you have to go up and you have to get the shares. So mm-hmm. tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. Well, so as we speak right now, Joe and our crew are out on the boat um, in the waters of Bristol Bay because the salmon run begins sometime around mid to late June and it goes through sometime around mid to late July fluctuates every year. So you never exactly know when the salmon are going to show up, but we have a general idea. Fourth of July tends to be the peak of the season. Um, So we spent all spring, you know, updating our website, figuring out the logistics and pricing. Our order window traditionally goes from April to May. And that's that time where we're taking orders ahead of time. And that's when we're able to give, um, our CSA members or sorry, CSF members, the, the best price. And then June is when we go up and harvest. And then there's a lot that has to happen between the time that, you know, the salmon kind of comes into our boat to when it uh, shows up at someone's uh, freezer. So that all happens in late July, mostly through August, September is when we start to do deliveries. So give us an idea. I know you said that you went up the one year with them. Um, have you gone up in subsequent years as well? Yep. I was up there in 2016, uh, mainly to do, I did a little bit of fishing, also did some filming, uh, got to fly a drone around to try. And we really wanted to give um, people a sense of what it's like up there. Um, it's, a, it's a whole nother world. And a lot of people, they're, they're just as excited about Alaska as they are about the salmon. And so they want to hear from us kind of those stories of like, what's it like to be up there and fish. And a lot of people have a dream to go up and maybe fish in Alaska someday. So we got to put together a really nice kind of uh, compilation video that kind of shows the whole operation from start to finish, where we are, what it looks like, the size of our boats, all the, all those things. Um, well, And that is great. And we want to go in, we want to see that video that you created, but we also want to know what is it like <laughs> to be in Bristol Bay? Yeah. So um there's no way to get there by car. You got to fly into King Salmon. Um, and then uh, from Knack Neck, 
which is just a short drive away from King Salmon. Uh, that's where all of our um, canneries and fishing processing plants are. So people come from all over the world to work at these plants for the summer. And that's kind of our home base. Um, we have contracts with the processors. There's kind of a symbiotic relationship there because they need fishermen to supply them with fish to supply the global market. So that's, that's actually how all this got started. And most fishermen I'd say are up there fishing for these processing plants that are then taking the fish and making sure it gets packaged and sold and whatever and whatnot. So that's our home base. Uh, we, fished for about an hour away from there and we stay at an old abandoned cannery called Graveyard Point. It is, um, I mean, these are old dilapidated buildings. It, it looks like it's haunted. It probably is. Um, but we're sleeping in them at night. We kind of commandeer, we bring up generators and we kind of have to pack in and pack out everything. There's nothing up there. There's no running water, no electricity. And you fish around the clock. We fish every tide. Um, so long as the state of Alaska says we're green light to go ahead and fish. We're out there fishing and uh, we do very little sleeping and very little of anything else and including very little showering, very little eating of anything, but salmon and whatever we're able to bring with us. So for people who have a dream of really just going up and, and being in the wild and being and having an Alaskan experience, it really is an Alaskan experience. And you have mosquitoes the size of birds. So. <laughs> yes, that doesn't, <laughs> doesn't sound like a great time to me, but I'm glad there are people who are willing to do it. So tell us a little bit. You had mentioned that um, the state of, as long as the state of Alaska gives you permission. So talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about that, because I always wonder if people are concerned about how much fish is being taken out in if we should be concerned about that. Yeah. Uh, so I would say globally, it's a big problem um, when any type of um, harvesting is unregulated, things can go bad because we tend to be greedy people. And the way the state of Alaska is different, they recognized a long time ago that they've been gifted one of the best fishing locations on the planet. And it's one of it's, I think it's the largest, you know, gross export that the state has. So they really want to protect it. They want to protect it for the environment. They want to protect it for their citizens who it's their livelihood. So yeah, every, um, every couple hours we're getting on the radio and we're listening to Alaska fish and game. And they're, they're telling us whether or not we're allowed to fish. And the reason they're doing that is they actually hire fish counters, people who sit in rivers and count fish to see how many fish are escaping from the fishermen's nets. They call it the escapement. And they have an algorithm. They figured out how many fish need to be escaping in order to have a sustainable fish population. So it makes sure there's enough fish spawning, that there's going to enough, be enough fish to return next year and year after that for eons, right? So those fish counters are doing their job. And if they start to notice that the fish count's getting low, then fishing game gets on the radio and they tell us, hey, guys, no fishing. And sometimes it's the gill netters can't fish or the, the drift boats can't fish and it's for the next two tides but they, they tell us when we can and can't fish. Well, thank you so much for that explanation. Now, we're going to have to go into a break, but when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Noah. For people who want to learn more about the Quijack Fish Company, or if you'd like to enroll in their shares, go to eatwildsalmon.com. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. 
Welcome back to Green Tea Conversations. Today we are visiting with Noah Locke, the community-supported fishery director for the Midwest region for the Quijack Fish Company, which is now offering salmon shares right here in Minneapolis. Noah, just before the break, we started to kind of talk about the company and how you do your fishing. And I did tease at the very beginning that we that you are offering fishing shares. So I think we should probably tell people about the fishing shares that you have available and how they can become a part of it, how they can order their own. Yeah. So um, right now, uh, re- residents of the MSP area, the Twin Cities, uh, have the opportunity to purchase a share of our uh, catch. It's wild Alaskan sockeye salmon. It's boneless fillets. Uh, they are vacuum sealed and, um, we flash freeze them, which is, we can talk more about that, but it's probably the best method to keep any type of food, um, really pristine for a long time in your freezer. So our goal is that you're able to pull out a filet sometime mid-year, maybe it's January, right? And, uh, you're, you're able to file that filet of salmon and have a fresh piece of wild Alaskan salmon. And it's just as good as it was the day it was caught. And, you know, it's, it's one of the most unique and um, sustainable ways to keep your freezer full of really healthy food. And when you're talking about a quality product, this is sushi grade salmon, correct? Yeah. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of people think frozen salmon. Oh, my gosh, we want fresh salmon. Well, here's the deal. Unless you're in Alaska on the beach, you're not going to get anything that's fresh. You could pay an arm and a leg to have something airlifted to you on ice. But even then, what a lot of people don't know is that wild products have these things called parasites. And so there has to be a preparation in order to make them safe to eat, especially raw. So if you've ever had a delicious, expensive piece of wild uh, salmon at your favorite sushi restaurant, guess what? It was frozen first to ensure that it was safe for you to eat raw. The way we freeze it matters. It's vacuum sealed first, so there's no air, and then it's blast frozen, which means it goes into an extremely powerful freezer, and it's frozen so fast that ice crystals can't form, so you don't get freezer burn. Basically means, if you've ever seen the movies where like people are frozen and they come back to life like 100 years later, it's kind of like that. I mean, it is a very, very proprietary, pristine way of uh, preserving a food. And that's how ours is. And so it's very different from what you might think of as frozen food. It's um, the only way actually to keep a product like s- salmon sustainable year round. You're going to have to freeze it. And so we freeze it the best way possible. And how many, you have different size shares that people can uh, can order. So give us an idea. The smallest size share that you have is a 10 pound. Correct. Yeah, that's that's our entry level. A lot of people are concerned. They don't want to buy too much food at once. It is it, it is a commitment. It's a different way of thinking about your food. You're not going to the grocery store for a little bit here and there. And so 10 pounds is actually not that much. Salmon fillets are really thin, so you can easily fit 10 pounds into a normal side-by-side or top or bottom freezer. Um, I think you can actually, actually get away with 20. Most of our customers that go beyond that usually have a standalone chest freezer or something like that, or they're splitting it up with friends. Um, but you can go as big as you want. I'd say the average, uh, the average order is 20 pounds. And what is the price? Price does fluctuate year to year. We have to, you know, account for the change in the global fish market, which kind of determines how much we're having to pay fishermen and processing costs and things like that. Um, but the price for, uh, Minneapolis, 
10 pound share is uh, 159.99. So that's 15.99 a pound. The price does go down if you get a bigger share. So if, you know, as like anything, if you're willing to put in a bigger purchase, we're able to bring that price down a little bit to make it more affordable. So you said the average size is usually a 20 pound share. What is a 20 pound share running? So that'd be uh, 305 even. What a price. So how many pieces of fish should one expect in say a 10 or 20 pound share? Yeah. um, So a 10 pound share generally is going to have six to eight fillets. And then you could double that for a 20. Um, It is a wild product. So they vary in size from year to year. Some years the salmon are huge, and other years they're small. Um, so on the on the smaller years, you're going to get more smaller fillets, and bigger years you might get some really big fillets in there. It, it really does vary. Let's start talking a little bit about how you actually fish for the salmon. What is it that makes it different in the way that you that your company is fishing versus like a com- commercial fishery that we might see on, you know, one of the TV stations where they have the big <laughs> the big fishing that goes on. What is the, the difference? There's a lot of different ways to catch a fish. Um, the worst ways are huge, huge nets that the big boats use. And the reason those are bad is because think about all the weight of those fish and what happens to the fish at the bottom of the net. They've got all the weight of the fish on top. So they get crushed, bruised. It's gross. And you can catch things that you're not intending to catch. So we call that bycatch. And when you've got big, massive nets, you can catch seals and sharks and things that you're not meaning to catch, but they get caught anyway. And it's collateral damage and it damages the oceans and it kills species that we don't mean to. So the way we fish is very different. We do what's called set net fishing with gill nets. In Alaska, it's called beach fishing. It's kind of the slang term for it. And our fish are considered the cream of the crop because we're mainly fishing by hand. The gill nets are a very gentle way of catching a fish because they're designed so that only a salmon, uh, and what I mean is that the actual size of the uh, area of the net that catches the fish is designed to catch a certain age of salmon. So it's very targeted, which means we get very little to zero bycatch. In fact, the only thing that we've ever caught by accident were animals that had already passed that kind of just floated by. So it's actually really hard to catch the wrong fish. Now, Gill netting in other areas and other oceans, totally different. Gill netting in Florida, very different than gill netting in Alaska. So I think people might hear gill netting, oh, gill netting is bad. Not true. You have to look at where where this is happening, the ecosystem, and where we're doing it. We're just catching salmon, and we're only catching sockeye. And uh, we pull the fish out out of the net by hand. So we bring the nets up onto our boat, and we're literally reaching into the gills of each fish and hand picking them out. So that means these fish aren't being squashed and smashed by big uh, cranes and huge nets. And that matters because when the fish finally gets filleted, you can tell if it's bruised, if it's been mishandled and you get a really bad quality product. So when you see those pristine, beautiful fillets of fish, you know that was probably caught by hand, either with a gill net or a long line um, and it was, you know, filleted by hand and there's a lot of care that goes into that. So this really is a premium product that we're selling. And you have very small boats too, that you're using. I mean, it's not anything like what people may have seen on TV. It's not much unlike your grandpa's fishing boat. We've got an outboard motor. It's a 25 foot aluminum skiff. They're very unsexy. They're not cool to look at. <laughs> They're just a big bare aluminum boat. Cause the only job is to get us down the beach to where our net is. We pull the net over the front and we just walk down the net, fill the boat up when the boat's full, 
And then we get over to the our, our bigger boats that have big uh, refrigerated holding tanks to keep these fish on ice. Um, and they're kept on ice all the way up until they hit the processors line where we've got skilled people who know how to fillet fish and they take out all the bones and then they go right into the freezer. So it's a very uh, well-oiled machine that really is all designed to keep that salmon as fresh as possible from the moment it leaves the water to when it gets into uh, the consumer's possession. Well, when we come back, we are going to share with people how they can get a chance to actually possibly win a share of this fabulous fish. In the meantime, if you would like to check out Quijack Fish Company, go to eatwildsalmon.com slash MSP. We will be right back. where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the experts who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today we're visiting with Noah Locke, the community-supported fishery director for the Midwest region for the Quijack Fish Company. Just before the break, Noah, you were uh, giving us a lot of great information about how you go about fishing for the, the salmon shares and uh, really giving us some great information about the company and how you got started. And I am just curious, how does supporting the CSF, the Community Supported Fishery, how does that impact the communities in Alaska? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a lot of people don't know that Alaska's fisheries are some of the best managed, most sustainable fishing operations on the planet. So I think for anyone who's conscious of the environment and wanting to protect what we've been given, buying your fish that from Alaska really has does have an impact because the other option is to buy it from somewhere else. And most likely that's from some farming operation. You're providing jobs for people in Alaska. It supports Alaska natives. It supports local jobs in our nation. I mean, there's just a lot of reasons why you should be buying Alaskan seafood. But if for no other reason, it's some of the best food for you on the planet. And a lot of people don't realize that it does matter uh, where, where your fish come from and, you know, it matters where your food comes from. So, Sure. So let's talk about that a bit. What is the difference? I'm sure a lot of people have heard about wild caught salmon. I don't know if they necessarily understand the difference between the wild-caught salmon and the farm-raised salmon. So give us some information about that. Yeah, so I mean with farm-raised salmon, uh, the unfortunate truth is that in order to have a high yield, in order to successfully raise fish in an environment they were never meant to be raised in, you got to feed them all sorts of artificial foods. And people can go research this themselves, but you're going to see ingredients like soybean, you know, modified corn gluten, wheat gluten, just, I mean, the ingredients list is really not pleasant. And this is all in the name of kind of fattening up these fish. And they're even having to do things like dye them pink because people don't realize that farm-raised salmon are gray because Mm. they're not eating the natural diet that comes from the Pacific Ocean that turns salmon pink. So they're pumped full of chemicals and they're fed a really horrible diet to create a very cheap and repeatable product. And so when you go to the grocery store, if you 
aren't aware of this, you're going to look at the farmed filet of salmon for three bucks and the wild filet of salmon for probably something like $16, you know, and you're, of course you're going to say, well, I'm going to buy the $3 one. But what you don't realize is what you're putting in your body um, is not great. I mentioned earlier that obviously buying wild salmon is supporting a sustainable fishing operation. It supports the economy, but it also supports your body. Wild salmon have um, a natural high amount of omega-3s. And just do a quick Google search for, you know, why eat wild salmon? You're going to find out that those omega-3s are responsible for, you know, reduction in heart disease. It's better for your brain. It's better for your nervous system. It prevents all sorts of diseases. When my wife was pregnant, she was eating a ton of wild salmon because the doctor informed us that omega-3s are really important for the development of the fetal brain. All this stuff that you don't even think about, but man, it's just this one simple food is providing this vital thing that we don't really get if we're eating a lot of processed foods. And you're certainly not going to get if you're eating farmed salmon. Yeah, I think it's interesting on your website, how it mentioned or how it talked about, you know, we get very high levels of Mm omega-6s, but we don't get the balance of the omega-3s that we need, um, which, you know, we're going to get from those wild-caught salmon, from the wild-caught salmon that you you are providing to us. And, And just the importance of having that balance and the quality of the of the fish as well. I, I'm really excited to get my share <laughs> because we have a share coming, and uh, I'm really excited to get it and to just really be able to uh, enjoy having this really high quality product that's coming into our home and for our families. So, tell us a little bit about what are some of the other health benefits of eating wild caught salmon. Yeah, well, I think you hit the nail on the head with the balance. Um, you know, salmon is sockeye salmon in particular, and you know, all, any any wild species of salmon has its own benefits. We fish for sockeye, so that's the one that we love to preach on the most. Um, but sockeye is it's, it's actually a fairly lean meat, but the fat that you are getting is tremendously good fat. I've been hearing a lot more in kind of the diet trends today of like how you need to be getting your good fats, and that's why you need to eat salmon to go back on those omega threes. They are, we keep uncovering more benefits of them and how a lot of diseases can be linked to a lack of omega threes over a sustained period of time. So a lifetime of not eating healthy whole foods, salmon being one of those. The other thing that's really going to matter is how that fish has been cared for. So I don't mean to totally diss on the grocery stores, but next time you go into the grocery store and you go to the seafood aisle and you see a filet of salmon sitting there, um, even if it's wild, you know, ask the person behind the counter when it was thawed, because I guarantee that salmon came into that grocery store frozen and then it was thawed. And what most people don't realize is that once you thaw a food like salmon, it immediately starts to break down and deteriorate in the nutritional value starts to plummet. Every hour that goes by, it gets more and more mushy. You can see it and you can taste it. So that's why we try and educate our our customers. You keep it frozen always. And then you thaw it under refrigeration the day before you're going to eat it. When I pull mine out, it's almost it's it's almost still partially frozen in the middle and that's exactly where I want it because that's when it's still perfect. And that's when I cook it. 
So it never has that chance to sit there and get mushy and deteriorate and all those nutrients start to break down and they oxidize. And it's just, you know, that's, that's what food does all of our food. So buying it frozen is really important. Don't buy it thawed um, unless, you know, you can guarantee that it was just thawed and you're going to take it home and grill it up right then and there. It really does matter. So, you know, you can have the best food in the world, but if you don't care for that food, then you're not going to get the benefits out of it that we all talk about. Well, and we're such a proponent of, you know, getting most of your nutrition from really high quality foods. It's the best way for our bodies to get it. We also, you know, we recommend vitamins and minerals as well, but boy, if you can get some really good, high quality fats from natural sources, that is the best way to take care of your body. So I'm just curious because you said, you know, when it comes out of the comes out of the freezer and it's just still a little frozen in the middle, that's when you like to cook it. So tell us, what's your favorite way of cooking it? My favorite way of cooking it is on an extremely clean charcoal grill. To be really clean because you don't want your salmon to stick and it, it will. Um, but I do just a little bit of oil. You can use olive oil, coconut oil. Your favorite is fine. Salt and pepper, garlic powder, smoked paprika. So I do a nice rub. That also helps it not stick. And then I grill it. I don't use foil. I grill it directly on the charcoal grill. And I use a smoking block of cherry or alder or oak. Any of those woods will be fine. Put it right on the coals. So you're getting a little bit of that smoke flavor. Just do a couple minutes uh, flesh side down. And then you finish it on the skin side down. And the skin gets really crispy. A lot of people are afraid of salmon skin. And they're like, what am I supposed to do with it? Or do I take the skin off? No, you eat the skin. (laughs) That's where all the omega-3s are. All those oils, like you you want that fish oil, eat the skin. It's And uh, it is delicious when it's crispy. So I highly recommend, you're not going to get a heart attack. In fact, it's going to prevent you from getting a heart attack. So definitely eat the skin. It's not like pork rinds. It's actually the most simple way to cook it. The key is just having that really clean grill surface to, to cook it on. And then if you want to get fancy, you can finish it off with a homemade uh, cilantro lime garlic butter. Just take a stick of grass-fed butter and put some fresh garlic in there, cilantro, squeeze some lime, just kind of mix it all up. And then, then as you serve your hot salmon, you just put in a little scoop on top and it melts. And it's a great way to finish it. Oh, that sounds delicious. Sounds like the perfect thing to be having on on this summer day. Well, I also want to let people know that you guys have very generously offered to sponsor a giveaway for Natural Awakenings readers and for the listeners of Green Tea Conversations. For people who are interested in possibly winning the prize or getting a chance to win the prize, which is a 10-pound share of Quijack Salmon, which is valued at $159. You can simply go to naturaltwincities.com. That's our website. And you can enter from there, or you can also enter by following us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And our giveaway is actually starting today, which is July 18th, and it will run through the end of July. So until July 31st, and then our winner will be announced on August 1st. When the winner is announced, it's just like the shares that are purchased. It isn't something that they get right away. 
It's something that will be delivered when everybody else's CSFs are delivered as well. So we should probably talk about that a minute. When are the deliveries being made? The salmon will arrive down here in Madison first. Um, that's where my kind of central hub is. I work with the cold storage warehouse here in town. And then I'll be driving a frozen shipment over the Twin Cities. And um, I actually haven't posted this yet on our website. We're still finalizing the where, but the when is going to be the weekend of September 25th and 26th. I'm going to do a two-day pickup event just to give, since it's our first year in the Twin Cities, we want to give people as many options as they can to pick it up. We generally try and find a central location or even a couple locations around town where it's easy access out the freeway and people can just come swing by, grab it, go home, pop it in their freezer. So that'll all be posted on our website. Also send out an email to everyone who has purchased, including the winner of this giveaway. And so they'll get notified. Um, And, you know, every every year I, I always tell people, people are always concerned. What if I can't pick it up? There's never been one person in our history who hasn't gotten their share. So we'll, 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 we're not going to throw it out. Um, we know stuff happens. So if you can't make the pickup, um, I'll work with you personally and make sure that we get your share into your hands. But you know, the best way to do it too is to get a group of friends, family, purchase it together, purchase the share together, get the lower price. Mm-hmm. Right. If you order a 50 pound share, you're going to get a really great price per pound. And one person can pick it up and deliver it out to everybody else or have everybody pick it up at their place and makes it really easy to do and get a really high quality product to your families and friends. For people who want to learn more about Quijack Fish Company and to enroll in one of their shares, go to eatwildsalmon.com slash MSP or call Noah directly at 608 571 2879. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings Magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today I'm talking with Noah Locke, the community-supported fishery director for the Quee Jack Fish Company. So Noah, just before the break, um, we were starting to talk about how to prepare, how to thaw the salmon. I also want to know what is the best way to store the salmon? So you had talked about, you know, if you're looking at a 10 or 20 pound share, it's something that could probably be in your freezer, in your refrigerator freezer and larger portions, maybe in those chest freezers. But um, you also brought up during the break that there's something I think people should be aware of that I would never have even thought of. So talk to us a little bit about the best way to store our salmon. Yeah. So the one, the one thing we always want to make sure that people know about is if you have an auto defrost freezer, that means you've got a freezer that will periodically warm itself up just enough to, to melt the ice that tends to form on the inside of your freezer. That mechanism can destroy any, not just the salmon, but any food in your freezer, particularly though, a very delicate food like salmon. So we've had customers, unfortunately, who had their salmon share next to the auto defrost heating element, which 
brought the salmon up to a thawed point and then refreezed it. And that, that, that will destroy, unfortunately, the product. Um, it is not meant to be thawed and then refrozen as most, most foods aren't. So it's very important. I recommend sticking with a manual defrost freezer. Then you're in control and you can care for the food in the right way. And the other thing I would just say is colder is better. So a deep freeze, the colder you're keeping that fish, the longer it's going to last, the better it's going to taste when you finally decide to thaw it and eat it. Uh, the USDA does give our salmon a two-year shelf life. So you, I, and I have kept it that long and eaten it, and it is just as good as it was the day before. The only thing you got to watch out for is, you know, it's a vacuum sealed product. So if that vacuum seal breaks, you've got air in there now. And once air gets in there, you're going to get crystals forming, freezer burn. So the other thing we tell our consumers is always make sure that you're checking those salmon fillets. Every time you pull one out, just kind of peek through. And if you find a, a, a vacuum seal that's broken, you should eat that one that night because that fillet is now on a timeline. That vacuum seal has been compromised and it's not going to last two years in the freezer. It probably won't last more than 30 days. Thankfully, we use uh, industrial grade vacuum seals, but even the best ones can still get a microscopic hole or something. Or if you drop the share or if you drop a box of frozen cookies on top and you know what I mean? So you just got to care for it like anything else. Yeah. And if you have teenagers around and they're rummaging through your freezer, something might get, <laughs> yep. one of those vacuum seals might get broken. Well, that's really great information though. And I'm glad that you mentioned that it's good for up to two years. So my recommendation to people is buy more rather than less, because I think the biggest thing is when you're looking at this and it's something that comes around once a year, so many times I have tried to be like, oh, I don't know if we'll use all of that. So you buy like a smaller share and then partway through the year, you're thinking, oh, I wish I would have had more. So as long as it's two years, you can always have always have it on hand. It's not going to hurt anything. And uh, to be able to know that you'll always have that really high quality salmon in your freezer. So on your website, you also have some other things uh, that people can purchase that will be delivered alongside their shares. So you have some spice rubs and some um, other products. Tell us a bit about those. Yeah. So we've got a lot of uh, what we call add-on products. Um, so when you order a share, then you're, you're, you're given the option to check out to kind of pick up some other goodies. We've got two different spice rubs that we carry um, and we carry some uh, cedar grilling wraps um, from a company that we partner with here in the States that does, um, just really high quality cedar products. They do cedar grilling planks and other things like that. If you get really excited about Kuitek, you can get a t-shirt too on your way out. Um, <laughs> but the other thing that everybody gets, um, regardless of uh, how big of a share you, you purchase or anything like that, is we always hand out at least one or two recipes as well as information that kind of educates people on how to best care for it, um, how, to, how to best thaw the salmon, everything we've kind of talked about here, you know, all those tips and tricks to make sure that you're getting the most out of, out of your share throughout the year. And I also highly recommend people go to your website. You have a really great information on there. It's interesting to read it and to, to learn about how uh, the fishing is done and to kind of see the different aspects of what you guys are doing, what the uh, team members are doing while they're up there. And, and then you have huge information on nutritional value of the salmon and also uh, so many different recipes on the website. It's just, it, your website is really full of really great information. So to go to that website again, uh, the general website is eatwildsalmon.com. 
eatwildsalmon.com. And then to order, you go to eatwildsalmon.com slash MSP. One of the things that you and I were talking about, and we don't have a ton of time left, but I do want to kind of mention about the value of making sure that these fisheries are maintained in Alaska and uh, some of the things that could happen that could actually negatively impact those fisheries. And one of the things that you were telling me about is the pebble mine. So explain what the pebble mining is. So the pebble mine, for for those that don't know, it's been a decades-long battle in Alaska. And and actually, there was a fairly significant decision made earlier this year. Um, the, The group that's been trying to build the pebble mine in Alaska was denied their permit cause for celebration. The reason it's a cause for celebration is because the pebble mine would most assuredly damage, if not destroy, the fishing operation in Alaska, mainly the impact on the salmon themselves, not the fishermen. The salmon ecosystem is very delicate, and the the Bristol Bay fishery is designed to actually keep it that way. Like I mentioned early on in in the program, the, the whole point of that fishery is to make sure that there's enough fish to come back next year to come back the year after that and the year after that so they can continue to spawn. So we're only harvesting the excess amount of fish that um, aren't required to keep that fishery sustainable. So when you buy Alaskan salmon, you're, you're not just buying a nutritious product, but you're supporting one of the most important ecosystems on the planet. Alaskan seafood is shipped worldwide. I think we were talking earlier and the Japanese love our salmon. Um, so, you know, the whole world loves our salmon we want to keep it that way. And it's, it's, it's a strong way to support our economy as well as care for the environment, protect it from, you know, other operations that might actually destroy the fish and the wildlife. Well, Noe, you know, one of the things I've been meaning to ask you since the beginning of the show, and now we're here at the end, but we never did learn, why is it called Quijack Fish Company? It's a great question. Uh, we fish on the Quijack River, which is actually spelled K-V-I-C-H-A-K, Kvichak, if you look at it, but pronounced Kvichak. It's a native Alaskan name, which is why it has the um, unusual spelling. And um, yeah, that's where we fished. And we had to pick a name back in 2009. And Joe said, let's call it Kvichak. That's where we fish. Well, Noah, thank you so much for being with us today. I'm really glad that you came into the studio and are able to share with us so much about the Quijack Fish Company. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast. To find out more about the Quijack Fish Company and to enroll in one of their shares, go to eatwildsalmon.com slash MSP or call Noah directly at 608-571-2879. Thank you for joining our conversation as we awaken to natural health. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and I am wishing for you a lovely day. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it.